get out our Bibles today and go over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 8. First part of that verse reads, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Say that out loud with me today. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. The New Living Translation reads this way, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So we can see here that there is movement that takes place, should take place with us, and if we will, then God will uh, also move close to us, eliminating any space that might be or might exist between you and the Lord. We can see, one, that it's possible It's possible for a believer, a saved person, to have distance between them and God, but also it's possible to close the gap. It's possible to remove that space, and so there's just nothing in between you and the Lord. I mean, if you get close enough, how many know nothing else fits? No wrong motives, no other activities, no, no uh, as Jesus said, other things uh, from this world in Mark chapter 4. Um, uh, nothing else can fit, nothing else can get in there. And that's the way God designed that our walk and relationship with Him would be. That would be so, so very close that there's just nothing in the middle. Nothing in the way. No hindrance, no obstruction. And we clearly see Him and hear Him and Many times you feel Him, and you just know what He's saying and doing. Praise God. And so, you know, almost, almost like, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a highly experienced horse per- person. Some of you might be, some horse folks. In, but as a kid, we, do have, we did have a horse. His name was Dusty. Not Trigger, but Dusty. Uh, and, uh, but I understand for some who ride horses a lot, you know, they, uh, they, they can feel the horse underneath them and, 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 under, and, you know, and just kind of work with the horse when they ride. And I, I probably can't even explain that real well. Uh, Dusty died. Um, well, well, he did because we, we kind of we put him with, with the cows. And he didn't want to be a cow and he died. Uh, that's just the way it was. I mean, this is a long time ago, so you don't have to be sad. Uh, however, in your walk with the Lord, there can be a, <laughs> there can be such a tightness and a closeness with Him, where you really do know what He's saying and doing, Amen. almost without asking. It's not like every time you need to know something. I mean, people have asked me in times past about making certain, doing certain things, and and you know, and maybe we should pray about that, or have you prayed about that? Well, honestly, I do pray about a lot of things, but sometimes I don't even need to. I mean, I feel like I don't need to ask the Lord because He's in me. I'm listening to Him now. You know what I'm saying? And in one sense, you might call that prayer, but maybe that's praying without ceasing. We are just in constant communion and fellowship with the Lord. And He moves, and He goes this way, and He goes, and we know. And if He slows down, then we slow down. If He speeds up, then we speed up. And we can really have a relationship that's that close with Him. And so that, that's what we've been talking about in this, in this series called Close, Drawing Near to God. The Lord has stirred my heart, and I am personally uh, benefiting. Oh, the Lord is so good to me all the time in every day and every way, but He's doing something in me so it, I can help uh, to inspire you to draw close to Him so He can have that kind of relationship with you. He really wants it. 
Oh, he really wants you to be spending some time and hanging out with him. And it'll make everything better, make everything good. Look at 1 John chapter 1 with me. Uh, Just a couple pages to the right. Uh, 1 John chapter 1. Notice with me in verse 2. It says, The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. I want you to notice the way he uses the language eternal life. It's not just a substance. It's not just a force. He's talking about a person here, isn't he? Just like what we learned from John 17 last week when Jesus said eternal life is knowing the Father and the Son. It's having a fellowship and a knowledge, an experiential knowledge of God. Likewise, we see that again here in 1 John, that eternal life is not just something we possess, although we do. But it, it is literally, it's Jesus. Eternal life is Jesus. It's a relationship with the Lord. And, and so just like uh, many times we go into defining, and I like to define terms and explain principles and concepts uh, of God's kingdom, but we'll, we'll talk about life. Remember, it comes from the Greek word zoe, and, and it's a quality of life, not just a length of life. And in life is healing, and life is, is strength, and life is victory, and it's prosperity, and it's peace, and, and joy, and, and it's, it's just the very, uh, the very standard of God's existence, right? And it's correct to identify it that way and to define it that way, but let's not forget this, this point right here, and Jesus' point from John 17, life is knowing God. Life is Jesus, Life is that relationship, and no matter how many things I get in order in my life, and I get worked out, and everything's flowing and clicking, and then, you know, family life or home life is good, money's in the bank, bills are paid, and body's healthy, and you could definitely say that those things are a characteristic of the life of God, but here's what's most important, all right, do we have that fellowship with the Lord? And if I have all those other things in place, and I don't have fellowship with the Lord, I am not experiencing eternal life. That is not the sum total of what God had in mind, just that our lives are working. That is an offshoot, a byproduct of intimate communion with Him. And if I will keep that as the main thing, that I want to have a relationship with God, I let all the other stuff come out of that, then I am totally laughing. I mean, and it is so good, so good, so good. Your life can get so good you can hardly stand it. I'm telling you, I know. So how, how can you say that? Because I know Him and I'm knowing Him more. And remember, when we talk about knowing God, we're, we're not just talking about an intellectual uh, understanding of Him where we could give the definitions and we can give His names and, and, and that type of thing. We're talking about an experience. We're talking about Adam knew Eve. But we're talking a spiritual level of where we are intimate and close with God. And it will blow out of the water every other experience in life. And there is no other relationship that can measure up. Hallelujah. And so your living vital connection with God is the most important thing in your life. Now how many know there are a lot of people in our world that do things in the name of God? A lot of people do things really bad. In the name of God. Nowadays, people will strap bombs to themselves and in the name of God go kill a bunch of people. How many know they don't know God? I don't care what they say. I don't care what what words come out of their mouth. And uh, but even to a lesser extreme, people in our day in our culture will do things in the name of God. But you know by their by their actions and by what they say that they don't really know Him. 
And when you do really know him, it's easily identifiable when someone is doing something in the name of God and it's not right. Because that's not the father that you know. That's not the God. And they, they may say, my faith motivates me to do this. You know, as if the word faith is somehow makes everything good. You know, you can believe wrong. <laughs> Your faith could be directed in the wrong way, the wrong direction. And so we've got, to ha- we've got to have these things clear in our minds and not just, you know, sometimes we think about, f- about focusing on God and I think that's a real important thing to do, but don't think of it like, like I'm just going to focus and I'm just going uh, to focus in on the Lord. God doesn't fit in that. And when we're focusing on this narrow way uh, and, and trying to, trying to see, see God, we're missing the magnitude of and the, the length and height and depth and width of God, we're, we're missing. He's mighty and big, and we limit Him. When we get focused, everything becomes clear, not just we only see one part. huh? Everything becomes clear, and we see everything right. That's what we seek, and that's what we want. You know, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 21, He said, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. And so a lot of people will do things in the name of God. And the reason for it is because they don't really know him. They'll do things to people. They'll harm others. They'll do the wrong thing. They'll say this is the will of God. And it's not. They just don't know him. You know, I was I, I was uh, speaking with a friend in another state who pastors a church yesterday, and and uh, we, we, I spoke with him yesterday, and he pastored yesterday. Uh, but we were talking about ministry and just different approaches and how to do things, and and uh, we we got we got discussing the one particular part of the body of Christ, and and, and they're in their churches, um, they put a whole lot of emphasis on water baptism. I mean, constantly talking about we baptized this number of people and so forth. And, of course, we believe in that. We've already baptized a number of people this weekend. And, uh, and it's a powerful thing. But he said, I had this one uh, young lady come to my church. And in discussing with her, because she had been a part of this church, she was baptized in water there. And then she came to his church and got saved. And I thought, oh, my. I said, That's, I, said I hate to hear that. I've heard, we've seen it many times here. I said, I hate to hear that, but that's always my concern. It's like people are baptizing them, and they're becoming a Christian when they're not really. They've put the, the externals, the ordinances, the obedience above the divine spark of God's life inside that only comes through the new birth. And, and hear this, see, uh, if you get saved and then get baptized in water, it's powerful. But if you get baptized in water without getting saved, it's bondage and it's deceptive. It is. People think, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. No, you're not because you got baptized. No, Jesus said you must be born again. It's all about the divine union of our spirit with God's spirit. So we become part of him. We are in his family. Then we have an outward showing through these other things. But not everything that's called Christian is. Not everything that's called God is of God. And we've got to be able to distinguish what is the real deal and how He wants to work in our lives. And if we are not hearing Him, knowing Him, experiencing Him, 
then we better watch out. We may have just substituted a mental knowledge of God for the real thing. We may have substituted an association with spiritual activity for the real union with God that He wants us to have. And so in our efforts and our mission and goals and things that we want to accomplish, we always want to keep the individual's relationship with God as primary. That's my desire for you, that you know Him without me. You know what I'm saying? God will use me, but I'm saying all by yourself. When no one else is around, you and the Lord, you connect. See, if I value your connection to the church and your association with our church, because, you know, that's something we do value. But if I value that higher than the other, then I'm not going to tell you the truth. Then I'll be, I'll be limited. Because, listen, there's pressure on people who speak, pastors and others, to be politically correct. Says, well, you can't say this because people don't say that anymore. You don't, you know, that there's pressure to give people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. But how many think you're being ripped off if that's the case? I mean, that really is. But that happens so frequently in the name of God these days. A message is given, but it's watered down. It's not pure. It's not what's necessary. Because you can't say this, someone might disconnect from your church. I know, but that's not really the goal. I mean, it's a secondary goal. We want to connect people with the body. I want people to be connected with the Lord, though. And if that's the goal, man, I can tell you like it is. Sometimes it'll make you shout and run. Sometimes it'll make you cringe. (laughs) But how many know, if we don't speak the truth in love, not just speak in love, and not just speak truth, but if we don't speak the truth in love, what happens? No growth. I'm talking about individual and personal growth and development in God. If we're always just given candy, it messes up with it messes your body up, right? And if we're always just given what we want to hear, sometimes we've got to be told direct and truthfully and honestly and in love what God really wants to do. And say, "Hey, man, I like you. You're a good person, but you are dumb as a doornail right now." You, you, you really shouldn't be doing that. That is the wrong way to go. And, and I would appreciate someone, if I'm going the wrong direction, telling me that. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've got to be able to speak the truth in love. And again, a lot of things happening in the name of God really are not God because other things get set in. Remember, Proverbs said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are what? The wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And some people, they'll, they'll, they'll be all sweet and super sweet and super nice and kiss you on the cheek as you destroy your life, as you go the wrong direction. Well, at least we're still in fellowship. Hmm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Someone who really loves you, someone who cares about you, sometimes they'll say something and you'll go, ow. Thank you. You'll appreciate that. You know, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. When iron and iron strike, ching, sparks sometimes fly. Don't they? But if you ever want to get sharp, you're going to have to have a little opposition. Going to have to have a little rubbing the wrong way. Going to have to have, in other words, it's not always going to feel wonderful. Sometimes it's going to sting. 
Is that good? Yeah. That should happen. All the time? Probably not. (laughs) But should it happen throughout our lives? Let's remember this truth, this profound revelation. Everybody ready? (laughs) You don't know everything. (laughs) And I don't know everything. And the moment we think we do, we close ourselves off to something new. We close ourselves off to growth. Maybe we think, I've never heard it that way before. I just, I just, I've never heard it like that. You should be shouting. Thank you, Lord. Finally, revelation is coming. The veil is being opened. And I don't mean we just accept all things new, but we definitely open our minds and our hearts to receive. You know, it's possible you could have heard things about God your entire life that are not true. You could have been told even by people who were sincere of heart things about the Lord, and they could be wrong. Hmm. You ever figured out that the Lord just doesn't jump in the middle of any conversation that's wrong and stop it? (laughs) Well, hallelujah, anyhow. (laughs) Daniel, remember Daniel 11, he said, "Those those who do know their God will be strong and do great exploits. Amen. How about how many know those who are weak and not doing anything? They probably don't know God. Wouldn't that be consistent with that? Not just talking about a mental knowledge of God, but when I get into an experiential relationship with Him, it does something on the inside of me that strengthens me and enables me out of, out of that, out of that relationship with God. Now I can do something great for Him. Praise God. Go over to Philippians chapter 3 with me. Philippians chapter 3. You remember last week we were in this same chapter and talking to you about how Paul had been uh, telling them and it, it, talking about all his, uh, his great exploits in himself, all the things, all his, his accomplishments. But he went on to say that when compared with the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, it's all a bunch of dung. <laughs> it's all a bunch of garbage. It's all a bunch of nothing. He put it in. Now, in man's eyes, man, he was awesome. He had it going on. He had a lot of accomplishments. He said, but compared to the knowledge of God, compared to me walking with him and being in his presence and hearing his voice and knowing him, he said, man, this is nothing. This is a bunch of nothing there. This is a bunch of, uh, uh, it's, it's not worth anything, it's, but, but, but the dunghill. And, uh, and he, he went on to say, I want to pick up here in verse 12 today, Philippians three twelve. He said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Now, now think about the language. This is coming from, remember, this is the second Corinthians 12 guy. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, went in the body, out of the body. I, I don't know. God knows, but such a one was caught up into the third heaven. This, this is Paul who was, he had been in the, in heaven. He had experienced God. I mean, he, his relationship with God started with a vision. That's pretty high level, you know, road to Damascus. I, I mean, he, he, ha, he wrote much of our New Testament. He had some revelation. And he says about himself, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't already gotten there. Not that I've already been perfected. He said, but I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He's trying to get something. He's trying to understand more. He, he had experienced God to a degree that everything else paled in comparison. And even at the end of it, he realized that my experience with God is the potential there is infinite. He said, and I want more of that. 
He said, I keep pressing in. I keep pressing on. I want more and more and more. What, what is your attitude? What is your heart? What are you shooting for? What are you going for in your life? What are you reaching out for? With many, it's just natural goals. And again, by themselves, there's nothing wrong with that. But in comparison, everything's wrong with it. Some people have financial goals. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. And in and of itself, it's fine and it's good. But in comparison to knowing the Lord, it's a, it's a waste. And this is what he came to with his understanding and revelation. And if we haven't come to that same place, I think we haven't seen what he's seen. That this relationship and knowledge of God is better than anything. Nothing else compares to it. And so he said, verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Remember that phrase. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Well, what's behind? That's all of his natural accomplishments. That's him reaching his goals. That's all the things that he's done. He said, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and reach forward and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he said, I'm reaching for something. I am pressing in. I am pressing on. Remember the upward call, the call that comes from heaven to your life. It's not first and foremost about what you do, but it is first and foremost about being with him. And he is seeking this thing above everything else that he would be with and know on an experiential level the love and knowledge and wisdom and presence of God himself. That's what he wanted. That's the one thing he lived for. Now think about that for a moment. Uh, I remember seeing years ago uh, t-shirts. Maybe they're still around. Well, how many of you have t-shirts from junior high? Okay. (laughs) Some things just linger on. They should die. (laughs) But anyway, these t-shirts were around that had uh, various sayings on them. Uh, One of them, I remember, uh, it said, baseball is life. You know, others would say, just various interests and hobbies, golf is life. And then it would say at the bottom, the rest is just details. That should be a true statement about your life with God. That's what life is. That's what defines my existence. Everything else, that's just details. In other words, someone comes to meet you and they say, hey, you know, they meet you for the first time. What's your name? So tell me about yourself. Well, I'm a, uh, I'm a Christian. Uh, I'm saved. I have a relationship with God. I'm forgiven. I'm, I walk with Him. Okay, so, yeah, yeah but, but like your life, and like, like what do you do? No, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm in a relationship with God. God is my Father. Jesus is my friend. I know, but like, 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 yeah, like your life and stuff. No, no, that's pretty much it. Then they might press like, well, like, what do you do? And, and you know, like, what do you do for work? And you have a family. You have uh, things like that. When if they really press you, okay, well, I guess the deal, well, okay, I head a Fortune 500 company. Uh, I, I've, I've got three gold medals. Um, I, I'm worth $2 million, $2 billion. Uh, I'm a, I'm a. Scratch shooter in golf. 
Uh, but nothing. I'm just saved. I'm just, I just walk with God. All that other stuff is just the details. Everybody with me now? See, I use that example say, I don't really know if there's anyone in here that has done that. <laughs> well, I don't know if there is either, but it doesn't matter. That's a proper perspective of the position that God is to hold in our lives. No matter what we've done or haven't done. This outweighs everything by so far. And if we will see it that way in our lives, we'll start to experience Him on a whole new level. We'll start to have all things in perspective. Say, what about the gold medal? Shouldn't you, I mean, can't, shouldn't you feel good about that? Not in comparison to Jesus. Hmm? Well, if you built something big, shouldn't, shouldn't you have that on your wall? Well, you can put poop on your wall if you want. I'm just saying, in comparison to the Lord, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying in comparison to the Lord. He is just that much higher and that much greater and that much better than anything else we could ever experience or accomplished in life. And as soon as we get that down, watch your relationship with God become what it's supposed to be. We stop valuing everything else as almost equal. Or, as many do, it's all one big basket. I'm, I'm a, I play golf, I run a business, I'm a Christian, I'm married, I'm doing... No! All that stuff is way down except for it's just you and God. He is your life. Christ is your life. The rest is just details. I know this sounds kind of extreme for some. And it's like, wow, I never really thought of it that way. Well, let's, uh, let's begin to expand. And see the fullness of God, how He wants to impact and invade every area of our life. And be the very reason we live and move and have our being. Be the very reason that we exist and draw breath today. I'm in fellowship with God and everything else is secondary to that. Go to Luke chapter 10 with me. Can you take a little bit more today? The call from above is first to be with Him. First, to be with Him. Then to do stuff for Him. Luke chapter 10, notice with me in verse 38. Now it happened, as they went, that He entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed Him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said, yeah, you are right, Martha. Mary, get in there and help your sister. Amen. No, I read that wrong. Excuse me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. (laughs) Isn't that a concern when he says your name twice? (laughs) Martha, Martha. You always have to go down. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. How many things? One. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. He commended Mary for not helping. 
He commended Mary for not serving, but keeping her focus on one thing. She wanted to hear the word. She wanted to hear the voice of the master. And that was of more value than anything that she did. And Jesus was not opposed to serving. He taught us about that. He was an example in serving. Okay? But think about it. He said she was distracted. She was distracted. Does anyone in here ever get distracted? We live in a day where distractions are king. And we live, I mean, and I am a gadget type of person. I like them. I'm hoping they, get, they make it into heaven. You know what I'm saying? I like things like that. But listen, they can be a major distraction. And nowadays people live with bing, bong, ding, roof, roof, roof. You know, and every two minutes something is coming out of their phone or their computer. Or, 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 and, and what do we do? Whether we're driving or praying or anything that's going on, it's... Can't miss something. Somebody might need to get a hold of me. Somebody might, might, might need my attention. And so, bing, bing, bing. And uh, distractions galore. And people are t- today are so in tune with this world and fleshly stuff. And so dull and carnal and unspiritual. God could speak through a megaphone. And we just keep, go- keep looking and keep going. But the moment someone sends us a text message or invites us to Farmville. Bing! And I believe... Listen, because I'm not down on that stuff as far as at all times. We can use things for good reason and good purposes and work and so forth. But I know this, that when we can't pray and spend time with the Lord without one eye on our phone or our computer or the latest news story or something's wrong here. And we think, I need to pray and spend time with the Lord and get some direction. I need to find out what to do in my life. I've got these decisions to make. And ding! Thank you, Lord. Ding! And I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but I've done that before. I have. I'm praying, and emails are coming in, and things are going off. And so I, it's like, give me a minute, Lord. Like it really matters. How many know most of it matters zero? And the other that does matter... It can matter a little bit later. I don't know if I'm reading anyone's mail, but I'm telling you my experience. And, uh, you know, something the Lord uh, said to me a number of months ago was, was uh, quite impacting to my life. Because I was spending time with Him one day in my office, my home, in my home, sitting in a chair fellowshipping with the Lord and listening, being real quiet at times and other times talking and praying in the Spirit and listening to Him. and It was good. It was nice. And uh, But then He said something to me. He said, uh, the Father said, I have much to say to you. I thought, good, good. He said, but you're too distracted. And... Uh, when he said that, it bugged me. 
because it was deep. It was personal. That's a low blow, Lord. (laughs) But it was true. It was true. And I knew I was reacting to too many things coming to me, and I was giving them precedent over hearing him and being with him. You know, airplane mode on the phone can be turned on when you're not on an airplane. How do you know if you know if that works? And all of a sudden, ding, bling, you know, do, 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 you know, all these things. Uh, I guess that would be Mario. Uh, I, I shouldn't know that. <laughs> I have children. That's the reason. Uh, all these things should not be disrupting our relationship with God. And uh, there's, times, there's times to turn things off and, fa- and focus and listen in on Him. And if we're not doing that, if, then we're, we're, we're making ourselves spiritually dull, insensitive to the voice of God, to spiritual things. And then when we need help, it's like, how come I can't hear God's voice? Duh. We hear the newscaster's voice. You know, we hear, we hear all the sounds and texts and Facebook and everything else. And uh, again, is it wrong in and of itself? No, but we've got to reduce the volume at times in our life so we can listen on the inside. That's where he is. That's where we draw close. That's how we draw near. We don't do it up here. He's not speaking to our mind. I mean, we do in the sense of, of, of getting our mind quiet, but we draw near on the inside. That's where the Lord is. That's where He's working in our lives. We often think that there's so many things that we have to do. Well, I have to do this, and I have to do this. Paul said, this is one thing I do. Paul, you only do one thing? It's one thing I do. Martha chose, or Mary. Mary chose the one thing, and she got commended for it. Let's not say to ourselves, I have to do this and this and this and this. We choose to do what we do. And let's make sure we choose the things of God. And we make time for His presence and His working in our lives. Even with good things, wasn't she serving? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's commendable. Unless you're doing that in place of your personal intimacy with the Lord. Unless that replaces an experiential knowledge of God, then even that's a problem. Many people work for God real hard, and it ruins them. But if you're with Him and His presence, and you hear Him, and He hears you, and He's with you, and you're with Him, and you're joined together, everything good comes out of that. Nothing bad ever comes out of that. You never connected with God, and your life went down. You never spent time with him and everything, and everything, uh, you know, got worse. I mean, the devil, I mean, the enemy might not attack you for, to try to get you to stop, but, but hey, God will make things better. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty two, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. It's talking about, let's be single-minded. Let's be purposeful in the reason that we exist and our very focus is Him and the rest, that'll just fill in the cracks. That's just the details. Let me read, let me read a few statements that I wrote one day uh, while back while praying. 
get inspired sometimes. Sometimes I'll write things down as words of inspiration. I was, I was praying one day and I jumped on my computer, not as a distraction, but as a tool. <laughs> Can use these things for the glory. Uh, and I wrote, the will of God in heaven is. The will of God on earth can be. We don't have to wait, but, to, but can experience Him today. It has always been His will that we would walk by faith and walk with Him now in this life. Now we have a chance to bring heaven to earth. Now we can show His glory and power and love to the world. Later we can't. Who will reach out? Who will press in? Who will do it now while He can't be seen? This is the only time we will be able to fulfill His will in this way. Who will walk with God like Adam did in the beginning? Who will rediscover fellowship like Enoch? Who will take up the life of Christ as it has been given? Who will not settle for knowing God in heaven, but will know God now on earth? I will. I will do what most put off for eternity. We have an opportunity today to know God in a way that He always wanted. This is a tool to get us there. But He is not interested in just we, uh, us looking into heaven and looking off into the, into the future and someday I'm going to be in His presence. Someday I'm going to know Him. That stuff was intended for here and now. And it pleases God when someone will let their faith rise to a level where they experience Him, hear His voice, know His glory, and experience it here and now. Now's the time to press in. Now's the time to take advantage of all He has freely given us by His grace. Let's not put it off for another day or say it just can't be. Let people's testimony and experience of God be a, be a, th- a thing that catapults you into believing for more. If we find ourselves, and I have found myself, looking at God like this. Let someone, else experience, someone else's experience with Him and what He has said and what He's done in their life, let it be something that forces you into <gasps> seeing more. The very fullness of God. He can and wants to do things in your life that you haven't even imagined. You haven't asked for Him because you didn't even know to ask. Yet He wants to do it. So we must not limit our expectation of Him and what He wants to do by our past or by what religion has taught us or by what someone else hasn't experienced. We've got to begin to open up our minds. It's the reason we have scriptures. I mean, and this is just part of it because God's working in people's lives now. But we get, we get scriptures. We hear about a guy like Enoch in the Old Testament who walked with God for a long time and then one day he just... He was walking so close with the Lord, he just disappeared. So where did Enoch go? I don't know. He was with God. And he's just gone now. Well, didn't God know that some of us might read that and realize there is an experiential prayer and, and relationship with God that is far beyond what 99.9% of people are walking in? Wouldn't he know that a few of us would see that and say, ah, I see the possibilities here. 
I can be so close to God that I guess I can choose. I'm staying or going. Enoch said I'm going. And he's just gone. And you get people experiencing God at that level and you think, why would he put that in there? I mean, that's risky. Someone might think they could have that too. Someone might just dare to believe something that God wants to move in their life now. And then God would be obligated to show himself, which is what he had in mind all along. He wanted to show himself strong from the beginning, and that's why he put it in there. That's why we have examples of his amazing power and mercy and love, changing people's lives and, and God invading the realm of this natural world with spiritual and heavenly glory. It's not all about getting there. Die and you'll see it. Every saved person will see it. No hindrance. What pleases him though is when we walk with him here and now. You realize, you realize this natural earth and our physical existence is God's idea. He could have just made us in heaven. Like the angels. This was his plan. He wanted to walk with physical man. He wanted to walk with a person who couldn't see him, yet he could be revealed. Praise God. And we're stepping in. We're stepping up. (laughs) And God's showing himself to us. This is our day and this is our time to experience him and know him. Father, today we thank you for your kindness and your goodness. Thank you for working in us now. We are here because of you. Your plan. This is your idea. And you've invited us to draw near and draw close to your throne, to your heart. So we do draw close to you. We enter into your very presence. To the holy place where you are, where we experience your embrace. Lord, where we're accepted and loved. And we hear, we hear you calling from above. And now we walk with you and we enter in to that place. Thank you, Father, that we're never alone. You're always here, working in our lives, working in our hearts. Glory to God. Thank you for your presence even now that goes out amongst the crowd. Oh, and you show yourself and reveal yourself in a new and special way that each person might experience your love and the glory of Jesus. Thank you for working in our hearts now. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. These words come up in my heart today. What shall be then can be now. If you'll reach out to me and draw near, I'll show you how. And we'll walk hand in hand. We'll be together forever. And you can know my ways and hear my voice as you give me the praise. And so pull yourself together and draw close to me 
And I'll begin to show and reveal new realms of glory. And you'll experience my love. And you'll know my plan. And wherever you go, you'll carry my presence with you in this land. And so rejoice and be glad. And know that I'm on your side. Rejoice and be glad that I will forever in you be in you and abide. And changes around will come and go. But my commitment to you is certain. That will never change. This you must know. That from this day forward, I'm calling you in. I'm drawing you close so that you can walk with me and that you can experience this realm of glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, for working in our lives today. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Praise God. We thank you for working in our hearts today. We thank you for stepping out to draw us near. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.